I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who is conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. On the third day he rose again, he ascended into heaven, he is seated at the right hand of the Father, and he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Greetings, salutations. Welcome to another episode of Coffee, the Bible, and Page. I am Page, your caffeine-imbued host. Here's my caffeine. In the beginning, coffee. And lo, it was very good. Well, we have a question today. Why shepherds? Why did I save shepherds to be my third installment? Because in reality... The order of events is Joseph, Mary, go to Bethlehem, have Jesus. Shepherds show up. Then the Magi show up two years later. The reason is quite simple. I have an awful lot of questions concerning shepherds and these shepherds in particular. I don't know. And there, there's still some questions in my mind. I haven't answered all the questions yet. So let's just jump right into it. There's two prevailing thoughts on these shepherds. One is that they were just shepherd shepherds. They were just regular shepherds in the field. But there's another thought that these were actual trained shepherds, Levitical shepherds, temple shepherds, if you will, because Bethlehem was where lambs and sheep were raised for the sacrifices that would go on at the temple. And therefore, the, the shepherds were trained to raise the sheep in such a way that they would be suitable for sacrifice at the temple. <laughs> so either way, whether these are just common, ordinary shepherds or whether these are Levitical shepherds, the same kind of thoughts apply to both. And no matter which one you choose to think of, are these regular old-fashioned shepherds or are these Levitical shepherds, the same message comes out of both camps. And the same question is asked by me. Why shepherds? Well, at the birth of Jesus, the only recorded appearance of angels in the Bible was to shepherds. In Luke, it says, an angel says to them, don't be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people today in the town of David a savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. Now, the message to the shepherds is both broad. This is for all the people. This is a message for all the people. And it's both personal. A savior has been born to you. Anybody who knows me knows that I like to search for the humanity in each of these biblical scenarios, we've talked scenarios that we've talked about uh, from New Testament to Old Testament, and the reason is simply this: I'm a human. I'm a man, 
and the people that experience these things are humans. We share the same kind of emotions. And I can imagine myself in each of these scenes. I can imagine myself as a shepherd in this scene. I can imagine myself as uh, a magi. I can imagine myself as any of these characters in this in this Bible story. And get a small sense of the humanity in these situations. So let's take a look at the humanity of the scene with the shepherds. Why shepherds? Well, let's start off with the message. The message of the shepherds is broad to all, for all the people. This is a message for all the people. And it's personal. A savior has been born to you. Why would God choose shepherds? Oh, that's a great question. Wouldn't it have made more sense? All right, this is from a human perspective. Wouldn't it make more sense for God to break his 400-year silence with Israel? Because God had been silent for 400 years. From the time of the last minor prophet to this time, there had been no angelic visitation. There had been no prophet. No special uh, theophanies. God was silent for 400 years. Well, Israel experienced several captivities. And now they were slaves to Rome. So, the first people that the crowd of angels shows up are shepherds. Yes, of course, Gabriel showed up to Mary and Gabriel showed up to Zacharias. Got it. And Gabriel showed up to uh, Joseph a little later on and to the Magi. But God initiated a public, if you will, arrival. His angels appeared to a group of shepherds. Well, I think if, if these angels had appeared to the religious leaders of the day, I think the results would be different. We see here part of God's long game. Think ahead 30, 40 years later. Jesus has died. He's been crucified. He's been resurrected. And his disciples are taking the message out after Pentecost to the world. We find out during Jesus' ministry that the religious leaders are pretty much the last people that would believe in him. In fact, they were his enemy. So if, if the angels had appeared to these religious leaders at this point, they would not have taken this message to the world. Their view of Messiah, they wanted a conquering military Messiah because in Isaiah, there's a vision of a conquering Messiah. And yet in other places, there's also a vision of a suffering Messiah, someone who had to die. And the truth is, these are two true visions of Messiah. But the sequence is, he has to die first. And then when he comes back again, it will be militarily. But the religious leaders of his day, they would not, they wouldn't have spread this message. It says the shepherds went out 
and told everyone, and they glorified and praised God. Think again, ahead, 30, 40 years. Disciples are going out preaching the message of Yeshua, Messiah. Matthew starts to write his version of the story of Jesus. Do you think that the religious leaders of his day would have allowed him to interview them about what happened on this night? No. But these shepherds, that's another story. These shepherds, they're working men. They're blue-collar guys. And for the most part, almost all of Jesus' disciples were working guys. They were fishermen. They were common men. That these shepherds would have more in common with. I don't. Ex- I would not think that the Levites or or any influential rabbi or high priest would allow themselves to be interviewed by Matthew or by Luke. Luke, who was a Gentile of all people. But these shepherds, I can see them sitting down with Matthew and with Luke and telling them their firsthand stories. Now, by the time Matthew and Luke wrote these, odds are the the original shepherds were gone. Maybe some of them were still alive. Don't know. But at the very least, their children would be there. Now, (laughs) I'm a grandfather. And one of the things that I love so much about my grandchildren is how they always want me to tell them my stories about when I grew up in Alaska. And they ask for specific stories. And they laugh and they're happy when I tell it as if it was the first time telling them. Bapa, that's my grandpa name. Bapa, tell me the story about when you camped in that cabin in Alaska and a bear stood up on the front porch. Bapa, tell us again about that big brown bear you met in the woods. Bapa, and I would tell them the story, and it's not the first time. But they react as if it were the first time. I love telling these stories. Well, think about the story that the shepherds have to tell their children. Daddy, tell us the story. Tell us the story of when the angels appeared. And this would be a story worth telling. I can see the next generation. Grandpa, tell us a story about the angels. Or, Dad, tell us a story about how your dad saw the angels. And this this story would go down generation to generation. This would become part of the heritage. Now, how how does this play into God's long plan? Well, got to tell you, here we are over 2,000 years later, and we're still telling the shepherd's story, aren't we? Either the shepherd themselves or the children of the shepherds sought out uh, sought out the, the shepherds or in interviewing Mary 
she told them about the shepherds and maybe she could point them to the shepherd's family. I don't know how it came to be. But the details we have in Matthew and Luke are details that eyewitnesses would give. So that being the case, why did God choose the shepherds? <laughs> they were perfect. Now, they were also on the lower strata of, of society. Um, they were not royalty. They were common men. And Jesus seems to have a heart for the common man. Many times people in power are the worst people to speak to about Christ because the thought that they would be not as knowledgeable as they think they are, because sometimes, sometimes their pride gets in the way. I don't know. But I know these shepherds, they were common people. Now, there's two thoughts here. One is that these were just shepherd shepherds, and like I said, the other thought pattern is that these were Levitical shepherds. Bethlehem was close to Jerusalem, and this is where lambs and sheep were raised for the sacrifice for the sacrificing that would be going on at the temple and that being the case this would require a shepherd that specially trained first of all to be able to find the firstborn lambs because the firstborn lamb is important second of all these would be shepherds that have to be trained in raising these sheep in such a manner that there would be no flaws, no blemish, no damage done. So, if that's true, if these were Levitical shepherds under the employ of the temple, that's kind of cool to think of, that God did appear to those associated with his temple. He just didn't appear to the high priest. He just didn't appear to the 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 temple workers he appeared to their shepherds you know israel has a shepherding history the patriarchs themselves took care of sheep they were shepherds second the youngest boy of the family was the one that was usually assigned to taking care of the sheep remember david youngest brother um David was a shepherd. Third, shepherds operated as physicians for the sheep. Sheep can get sunburned. Sheep can get injured. Uh, they can get lost. The shepherd cares for their injuries. The shepherd finds them, restores them to health. Uh, isn't that like Jesus? You know, David was spurned as the youngest brother. Jesus was spurned as this carpenter from Nazareth. Mm. So shepherds had a, a special place in God's plan, I think symbolically, but also from a practical point of view. They would identify with the common ordinary working man type of disciples that Jesus gathered about himself. Now, let's take a look at this Levitical or 
temple shepherds. Because of Bethlehem's close proximity to the temple, a large number of sheep would be required for all the sacrifices that would take place. Luke says that the shepherds were abiding in the field, keeping watch over the flock by night. Now, during lambing season, shepherds stayed with their flocks both day and night. They lived among the sheep or abided in the fields, as Luke would say, so they could attend to the birth of a new lamb because ewes were known to have potentially two or even three lambs at once. It was necessary for the shepherd to watch for the firstborn of a new mother. As part of the law of Moses, the firstborn lambs were to be offered to the Lord as a special sacrifice. This would mean that not only the shepherd would have, he'd have to be there for the birth of the newborn, he would have to mark it so it's easy to identify, to set it apart from other newborn lambs. So these shepherds are in the field and an angel appears. Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy which shall be to all people, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. Now one can only imagine the fear that filled their hearts when the angelic host first showed up, changing to joy. And they would know immediately the symbolism of this firstborn lamb. This was a boy born to a virgin the first child. This was the first lamb. This was the lamb of God. And this angel gives him a sign, says, you're going to find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes lying in a manger. Now, why is that a sign? This is just a mother taking care of her child, right? Well, first of all, we all know the story about Mary. We've talked about that. There was no room in Bethlehem for them. And they're in this manger. Now, it's not a barn. Um, in this area where shepherds were taking care of the sheep, there would be birth there would be caves set aside for these special lambs to be taken care of. Um, and sometimes in order, if this is a firstborn lamb especially, the shepherds would wrap them up to care for them. And until they could get their, legs underneath them, if you will, until they could get to the point where they weren't clumsy, they would protect them so that these newborn lambs wouldn't hurt themselves. It would not have been unusual to find a brand new lamb wrapped up in swaddling in a stone trough. to find Jesus wrapped in startling and lying in a stone trough, they would immediately know, recognize that symbolism. And then the shepherds leave immediately, declaring what they've seen. Ah, uh, you know, there are some people who say that this version of the story where these were temple Levitical priests and wrapping Jesus being wrapped in swaddling would be immediately understandable by them with its symbolism. Some people say that's just talk generated by those tour guides in Israel to make a good story. 
but what I just told you was shared by a Messianic Jewish rabbi, Jason, uh, Jason Sobel, I think his name is. And that's his opinion that these were temple shepherds. Um, he writes, let me get, get up here real quick. Um, here we are. From Rabbi Jason, a Messianic Jewish rabbi. Shortly after the birth of Jesus in Bethlehem, the angel of the Lord appeared to the shepherds guarding their sheep at night and announced to them, today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is Messiah, the Lord. And the sign given to them was that they would find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Rabbi Jason goes on to say, of all the possible signs that could have been given to the shepherds, why did the Lord choose a baby lying in a manger in swaddling clothes why is this significant? To answer this question, we need to dig deeper and explore the Jewish context in which the New Testament was written. Good students of the Bible are like detectives like this. He goes on to say that, I believe these were no ordinary shepherds. They were Levitical shepherds, trained and tasked with the responsibility of tending and guarding the flocks used for sacrifices in the temple in Jerusalem. Now, what's significant about the location? Well, when it was time for their flock, one of their flock to give birth, the shepherds would bring sheep into one of the caves surrounding Bethlehem that were used for this purpose. These birthing caves were kept in a state of ritual purity for this purpose. These birthing caves were kept in a state of purity, like I said, because these lambs were destined to be used as sacrifices in the temple. In fact, Many of the male lambs born around Bethlehem would be used for the Passover. Now, since there was no room in the local inn, Mary and Joseph used one of these caves around Bethlehem. Messiah was not born in a stable behind some Econo Lodge or Motel 6. He was born in one of the many caves used for birthing these sacrificial lambs because he himself would be the ultimate sacrificial lamb. Now, remember, if you remember the story, there's no room for them in Bethlehem. We talked about that when I discussed Mary and what I believe was their situation. Nobody had room for them. So they went outside of Bethlehem and found a, a cave where she could have this baby. And this happens to be one of those birthing caves according to Rabbi Jason. Um, this makes sense to me. Now, not only would the location of Jesus' birth be significant to these shepherds in one of these birthing caves set aside for special lambs, but so would the fact that Jesus was swaddled in cloths. These shepherds were responsible for making sure that the newborn lambs did not contract defects, for only animals without spot or blemish could be used as a sacrifice in the temple. Baby lambs are clumsy when they're born. So many scholars believe these shepherds would swaddle their newborn lambs in order to protect them and to prevent these future sacrificial lambs from becoming blemished by injuring themselves on jagged parts of the cave. Well, no matter which side of the argument you stand on, were these Levitical shepherds or were these uh, just regular shepherds, my conclusion is the same. How incredible it must have been to have been, to been one of these shepherds and have the angels show up to hear the angelic singing 
to hear the angel speaking to them where to find this baby. And in the New Testament, every detail is important. And I tend to lead towards the Levitical shepherd's side of the story because that smacks of the Jewish culture and it seems right to my heart. You know, but my mind isn't made up yet. And part of it's because I am ignorant of much of the things Jewish. And, but I, I tend to read the scripture, try to read the scripture within the context of that culture. And so these being Levitical shepherds, that's kind of where I throw my hat. But regardless of where you are in that argument, God appeared to the perfect kind of people that he needed. And 30 or some odd years later, when Jesus' disciples are spreading the good news and they're beginning to record the stories around the life of Jesus, these shepherds, or at least their children, would have been available and would not have had problem talking to another ordinary working class Jewish man. A fisherman, for instance. They would not, these fishermen, these disciples, would not have had the freedom to speak to religious leaders if Jesus had, if God had appeared to these religious leaders at the time. So that being the case, just think about this for a minute. God did appear to a high priest. Zacharias was acting in the role of high priest when Gabriel appeared to him to tell him about the future son, John the Baptist. Aside from that, Gabriel also appeared to Mary, a 14, 15-year-old Jewish girl of no consequence. And her husband, a carpenter or a stonemason, as some people might, have believe, might believe, named Joseph. He appeared to a group of uh, magi, descended, descended from the magi of Daniel, of Daniel's era, who had preserved God's words, who had preserved God's prophetic words through Daniel about where Messiah, the King of the Jews, would be born. And when that time came 400 some odd years later, they make the journey. God appeared to people outside of Israel. And these, these were worshipers. When they found Jesus, they worshiped. They were God followers. Daniel had done a good job. Then he appears to these common ordinary people, these shepherds. People of no consequence in the general society of the day. And they had a story to tell. And I can just imagine the joy in their hearts when they realized what they were witnessing and what they had heard and the message they had heard. They probably walked away thinking that they had just seen the greatest thing in the world and they had. Messiah was born. <laughs> but God was playing the long game. 30 some odd years later when the followers of Jesus, the apostles, the disciples were beginning to write down the story of Jesus 
I don't find it hard to believe that these shepherds, or at the very least their children, would have come to see Mary or would have sought out one of these disciples. I have this vivid imagination. I've shared that. But I kind of see either the children of the shepherds or the shepherds themselves finding Mary to see her again. Or maybe the children to see the one that their father spoke of. I mean, there's. it's not hard to understand how this information came to be in the New Testament. But what a story. Jesus appeared to a high priest. Jesus appeared to a no-name virgin named Mary, Jewish girl, to a poor blue-collar worker named Joseph. to some, a remnant of Israel living in Persia called the Magi and then to shepherds. God checked all the boxes. This is an incredible story when you put it all together. I love it. I love this story. Now, I'm going to close with this. I know that Christmas, the day of Jesus' birth, is not December 25th. It was probably actually closer to the springtime in April. So I know that this holiday we celebrate as Christmas was a manufactured holiday in, ma in many regards that the church instituted either to overwhelm pagan holidays of the day. Uh, that's my understanding of it anyway. But... Me and my family, we celebrate Christmas on this day. We have a tradition in our family. When December comes along, the entire month of December is set aside as Christmas for the adults in our family. You just never know when a surprise or a gift is going to show up at your house. And we surprise each other through the month. Christmas Day the magic of Christmas morning is set aside for our grandchildren. There's something magical and wonderful about coming downstairs and seeing presents under a tree. And we let them have that joy. We let them have that sense of surprise. And then we all get together as a family later on in that day and we celebrate the birth of Messiah. We don't celebrate the presents under the tree. We don't celebrate the tree. There are some people who think that the tree is not godly. Martin Luther would disagree. But wherever you land in that argument, this is a season to celebrate the birth of the one who would die for us that we might live. This is a season to celebrate the one who was born to die. Hmm. What a day we live in. What a mighty God we serve. All because God appeared 
to a remnant of captive Israel, the Magi, to a lowly Jewish maiden, Mary. Her unknown working-collar husband, Joseph, to Zacharias and Elizabeth, to give them a child in their old age, and lastly, to shepherds. This was perfect. God's plans are perfect. And to you, this day is born a Savior. The one that John the Apostle called the Word. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. And then the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld him as the only begotten Son of God. This is the one born in Bethlehem that has the name the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning, the end. The one who was, the one who is, the one who is to come. This is the origin story of Messiah. Come on, is that not the most exciting news that we Christians can possibly bring to the world? the one who can redeem us, the one who can restore us, was born in Bethlehem. Mm. This is Paige. Here's my coffee. Folks, I'm out of here. Have a great day. Bye-bye.